Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. My name's John and I'm joined here today with Stuart, just the two of us. And uh, we've got some good things to talk about this week. So one thing I just want to mention is, and we did mention this last time, we are available on Spotify and on iTunes. You might already be listening to it through those means. But I'll run through what we're going to have a chat about this week, because like I said, we've got some good stuff. It's actually uh, a topic on this I'm really looking forward to talking about. Um, So we're going to speak about the Clyde Tunnel and the Clyde Side Expressway, which is something we've not covered, and go through kind of the the various roads, approaches, and these projects. We are also going to talk about something new, and this is going to hopefully become like a regular feature on the podcast, which is a kind of from the archive. We pick a topic and we, we go into detail about that. This one is going to be about the Scottish planning mission to the United States. So we'll, we'll go into that, and after that, it's well, quite typical, we have our questions that we'll run through from people who've sent things in through the email or through social media. And then we'll talk a little bit about what's coming up next, uh, our, our next podcast, and uh, stuff that's going on with the site. So, let's get straight to business, Stuart. Yes, yes. We're going to talk about, well, let's talk about the tunnel, Yep. Uh, to be honest, first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde Tunnel is obviously something we haven't spoken about yet. No. Um, and it isn't a motorway. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the Clyde Express, we're going to talk about the tunnel, which aren't motorways, but they're still very important routes. They are, they are. So, the tunnel is very important, and it was built before any of the motorway schemes as it, well. It was, and it's important to mention, it was the first kind of modern road improvement that we had in the city. Yeah, oh, definitely. That's after the war Yes. that yep. came through. So... The two tunnels, mm-hmm. because we think of the Clyde Tunnel, but it's actually two, and they did open up separately, so we should go into a bit of background about that. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting story, and I'm just flicking through. We have a copy of uh, an opening sort of booklet here that gives a lot of facts and figures about the tunnel, how it came about, and the like. Interestingly, um, it was actually first proposed in the 1940s. Uh, I mean, let's think back to, to Glasgow before the motorways or the tunnel or any of that. I mean, to cross the river, mm-hmm. you had to do it in the city centre, or in Lanarkshire, you know, there were no crossings further downstream from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that was obviously a, a weakness in the, in the well, transport. The, the, there was a way of getting across. I mean, there was ferries. There were ferries, yeah. The, you mean, we had the the kind of Renfrew Yoker ferry. You did, you did. Which is still there. Yeah. <laughs> and we have we had the Askin ferry. Yeah. There was also a pedestrian tunnel. That's uh, right. Where you, you you know what the rotundas are. Yep. So we're kind of looking around the area where the science centre and these kind of places are that goes underneath. Yep. Uh, I do believe that is now closed to the public. I think it just takes services. But that that was that was an old tunnel. Yeah. I don't have the exact dates and when that one was, but that I mean, as you say, Stuart, there wasn't many means of quickly getting across, getting across. the yeah. Especially if you're in a car, you were on a ferry or you were on the bridges in the city centre. Yeah, no fixed means as such. No. Um so yeah. So the, the tunnel, a crossing of the river was, was first proposed in Robert Bruce's um uh, first planning report, mm-hmm. the, the Bruce report that, that we talk about frequently when we're discussing the, the inner ring that's road. That's the 1945 one. Yeah, that's the 1945 report. Yeah. Uh, I'm just bringing up our timeline page here on the website no. and uh, we can see that work began on the Clyde Tunnel on the 1st of July 1957. The tunnel itself, the project itself had been approved in March of 1948. 
So progress moved much quick, much more quickly on that than it did on the inner ring road. Now, I have read before in a document that that was because the they felt the need for a, for a crossing further downstream, a, you know, a proper crossing downstream was, was the priority at that stage. Yeah. And the Clyde Tunnel was taking forward first. There was limited funds. They couldn't do both. So they, they chose the Clyde Tunnel. Yeah. Um, so it was it was approved in 1948. Now, again, <clears throat> sorry, um, it's clear that the fact that it took another nine years to start construction shows that, that money and things like that was tight. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, well, it was that post-war period. Yeah, you know, where it's the end of the war. It's not quite the sixties yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, so things hadn't really kicked off in full. But which is, you know, actually testament to me being quite uh, an achievement of the time to get the ball rolling as as early as that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always um, proposed that it would be two tunnels. Two mm-hmm. bores, uh, each with two lanes, uh, yep. you know, providing a, a decent, um, decent capacity there across the river. Um, there were a number of complex challenges with the project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ground conditions in Glasgow aren't necessarily the best for tunneling and and that kind of thing. So there, there was a lot of complex engineering difficulties. Yeah. Um, and the, the project itself uh, was actually beset by problems and delays to the extent that it, the first board didn't actually open until July 1963, which I think was a year and a half later than originally intended. Um, not only that, but the second bore, which is now the southbound tunnel mm-hmm. to, to what we know today, didn't open for another um, nine months after that, when they were both supposed to open at the same time. So, you know, there was clear issues there um, with that um, as well. And the, the, the contractor for the tunnel was actually Charles Brandon Sons Limited. Mm-hmm. Um, a contractor who are still on the go today in, in another kind of form. They, they, they were involved in a number of civil engineering projects across Scotland at that time, and, and they've done some minor works uh, recently as well. Uh, the total cost of the project was £10.5 million, pounds, which in 2017 money is £209 million. It's when you put it in that old money, it sounds like a bargain I know. for a tunnel. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. £209 million. Pounds. So I think mm-hmm. that's pretty reasonable. It probably would just cost about something like that today if you were looking to build a tunnel across the river at that location, I would think. Um, you know, so it has a few impressive features. Um, or it did have. <laughs> it was much nicer to look at when it opened than it is now. Well, there's there's a couple of things that are quite iconic about it. I mean, it does have the control room on the north side, doesn't yeah, it? And yeah. on the south side, it's more of just a facade, isn't yeah. it, for the ventilation? Yeah, that's right. Uh, of the tunnel, and it's. I'm just going to go back to the name, the Clyde Tunnel, because we often hear it referred to, especially in the older documentation, as the Lint House Tunnel. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We've you seen know? we've seen it referred to that in a few documents, especially as you see the early the early mm-hmm. stuff, and in the uh, in the parliamentary approvals. Um, and that sort of paperwork, that's that's generally how it's uh, referred to. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing we never mentioned is the fact that there's a pedestrian and cycleway beneath yeah. the carriageway. I was going to get to that. Yep. Do you remember that day we walked through that? Yes. It was very, very hot. It was very hot that day. It was a July day, I think. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a really warm day. And the best part about it, we had to walk back. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's quite a gradient as well when you're coming back from the, from the middle. Uh, right, well, we'll give you some more engineering facts and figures about it. You've got the details. Section. Yeah, I'm looking at it on the screen. This is on our website on the Clyde Tunnel page yep. of glasgows-motorways.org.uk forward slash Clyde-Tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, the tunnels themselves are actually formed from cast iron. So mm-hmm. it's not steel, it's not concrete, it's nothing like that. It's cast iron, um, which was then clad over um, with aluminium alloy um, supporting members as well um panels of rigid pvc sheeting 
were originally fixed to the framework as well, up to ceiling level, and then a false ceiling was formed in flat, self-coloured aluminium um, to provide a, a you know sort of better appearance and that had the exhaust ducts um, and the airflow and the lighting and and that kind of thing. Um, the whole thing was then impregnated water-resistant laminated plastic boarding uh, that was the green-coloured paneling that this you is look the stuff at that you see in the old photos yeah. isn't it because it kind of has a it has a roof doesn't it yeah it has a roof in the original photos and if you have a look at some of the old photos that we have of the clay tunnel you'll see that it's actually quite nice <laughs> to look at but i believe it was discovered um in the in the 90s that it really didn't meet fire regulations no. modern fire regulations at all and god forbid there had ever been a major fire in there the whole lot would probably have gone up exactly i mean so uh, we've heard things in the news tragically over the last few years about um how combustible cladding can be. Yeah. So it's probably been a, a good idea. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the total length of the tunnel, uh, of each tunnel, is 2,500 feet, or 726 metres. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so, so fairly long. Uh, 30 mile an hour, I think it takes about a minute yeah. to go through all in, doesn't it? Well, I used to use it every day, and I could probably get through it slightly quicker than a minute, but uh, what you tend to find is as soon as cars start going up the hill again, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it slows like, things down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the things that was interesting about the tunnel as well when it opened was it had a very modern um, sort of uh, yeah, communication system, uh, monitoring system, you had a CCTV. Um, I think had, that's incredible. Yeah, emergency telephones. Mm-hmm. Um, it had fire alarms and uh, emergency um, accesses every 100 yards. Um, you know, there was a maintenance walkway, which has now been removed, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, it had all that in it. Um, it had some nice lighting as well, and it was fairly bright and... and welcoming. Welcoming, yeah, that's a good <laughs> that's word. That's the word we're looking that's, for. Yeah, yep. not like today, unfortunately, but it's a bit, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a bit, it's a bit run-down looking. But uh, total diameter, 29 feet of, mm-hmm. of each tunnel, 8.8 metres, mm-hmm. uh, which incorporates 22 feet of space for vehicular traffic. And the, the remaining space, obviously, for the pedestrian um, and cycle tunnel beneath. Mm-hmm. So there we go. So that's what we have. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to open up this original report, uh, this opening booklet. Yeah. Let's see if we can pick out some interesting features here. There you go. Um, in its first year of operation, 18,000 vehicles per day were using the West Bore. So mm-hmm. that was the northbound tunnel. And its first year of operation, sorry, the second year of operation, when the other tunnel um, had opened, it reached maximum flows of twenty-seven thousand vehicles a day. So there you go. So it was it was fairly well used mm-hmm. even early on. Now these flows are nothing compared to what it takes today. Because I mean, I think an average year it takes about twenty-four million mm-hmm. vehicles a year now. Uh, you know, which is it's. I mean, it's hard to say. Don't have the figures here, but it's. I mean, the only thing I can think of is probably busier than it is a Kingston. Yeah, it's King, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, compared to Erskine with the other crossings, Clyde Tunnel does take more, definitely. Oh yeah, I think does Clyde Tunnel take something like I think fifty percent more traffic than Erskine yeah, does. It's, it's it is huge when I mean, you consider a different kind of route, of mm-hmm. course, serving yeah. a different kind of purpose. But yeah. you know, that's what it was. Now the gradient of each uh, tunnel. Oh. Um, is one in sixteen, so there you go. Yes, that's another useful. It fact, is yeah. it is quite noticeable when you go down in the dip and then going back up again. Another another thing I think this was something you pointed out to me, Stuart. You can actually get between the two tunnels 
Um, there is a kind of a maintenance, uh, an access walkway. As we we do know that the maintenance walkway was removed. Yeah, but there that's is right. an access that goes between the two of them. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. So, um, and I'm just reading through some more interesting facts here. At the time, I don't know if it's still the same because we don't dredge the river so much as we used to. Uh-huh. But it's seen here that when the uh, when the river had been dredged, there was actually only ten feet of cover between the riverbed and the top of the tunnel. <laughs> Which is, don't dredge too much. Yeah. No, it's actually not a, a lot. It says it's about yeah. twelve feet at the spring tides at that point. So there you go. Yeah, it's eh, not see. obviously the need to do things like that because the shipping on the Clyde now is well <laughs> far reduced. Yeah. Now the, the 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 way the tunnel was constructed was was quite old fashioned, mm-hmm. in the sense that they were working in a compressed air environment. You know, they were, mm-hmm. they were actually creating an atmosphere for the men to work in um, underground. And there was always the danger when they were coming back up to the surface of them getting decompression sickness. The bends. Yeah, the bends. So yeah. there was, uh, you know, th- there were things in place to to prevent that from happening. But unfortunately, during the project, two men actually died as a result of decompression um, sickness mm-hmm. or decompression related um, issues. Kind of conditions, yeah. Yeah, and conditions, which uh, which which is a great shame. Funnily enough, we were asked about that recently. We had posted something um, on social media, and someone had asked about. Um, people who died during the construction but to the best of our knowledge um it was just those two those two poor men two is, is bad enough um well you don't, you don't want anyone dying no. but it's it's still a dangerous business civil engineering you know yeah. even to this day absolutely you're, you're absolutely right it's, uh, this this construction method you mentioned it obviously predates things like tunnel boring machines yeah you know which is what they generally use now if you look at big projects like crossrail and so oh, yeah. and that's what it's they, all done by machine exactly, exactly. Even, even in soils like the type glasgow has they, they would they probably wouldn't build it the way they built it now where they were digging no. basically hand digging and putting up these rings these these cast iron rings and then and then pushing forward and and, and then mm. you know cladding them up um so i it's uh it was certainly an interesting Interesting thing, but what about changes since, John? You you use the tunnel way more than me. I mean, what catches your eye? What catches your eye now? I mean, obviously it was significantly refurbished during mm-hmm. the early two thousands. Yes, and there was a project to provide enhanced fire resistance, um, mm-hmm. and I believe it overran by a considerable period, and it's overspent by a considerable amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when that work was happening. That was the project I think that removed all the cladding. Yeah, and left it with that sort of a bare concrete appearance that it has now. Yeah. Um, which just the, the tunnels just never look. No, the tunnel just doesn't look nice. It doesn't look welcoming anymore. It's very rough. Look, at, I mean, it's functional. It yeah. is functional. It's something I wanted to touch. I mean, you've been a uh, resident of the west of Scotland all your life, Stuart. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I haven't. But there was a time that were there actually speed cameras either side of the tunnel, or so I heard. Was this ever uh, was this ever true to your knowledge? Uh, it's news to me. But then <laughs> I, I used to hear this from people. Oh, the speed cameras. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Something. Somebody listening could maybe let us know, please. You know, if you if, if you remember. Um, uh, speed cameras on either side, mm-hmm. please let us know. Uh, I probably only drove through it myself for the first time in maybe about 18 years ago or something like Was that. Was the speed limit ever different? I don't think so. I think it's always been a 30 mile an hour limit. Right. Um, I, I don't I'm think we've got anything I'm to sure say. some people might correct us on this, but there's, there's some gaps really with the knowledge. But can I go back to your question? You asked me about things that stand out. Yeah. Um, it's kind of moving us on to the next subject where I was going to talk a little bit about the tunnel and its approach roads. Mm-hmm. But I think, given the flows of it, given yeah. the age of it, yeah. it it works 
quite well. It's actually very convenient. You know, it's tied in very well. I have had delays there, but most of the time that's either down to an incident or yeah. roadworks. I always think that the tunnel isn't the problem. It's often let down by other parts of the road network in either side. The big problem is the north side. Uh, when you're heading up Belshagri Avenue, which ultimately leads to Crow Road, Yeah, that's where the bottleneck is Right. Uh, that, that I often find. Or <laughs> if they're doing roadworks on the tunnel, I mean, that's that's kind of something... That does happen from time to time. It is a very maintenance heavy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I I know that um you know a simple breakdown or something like that mm-hmm. in the tunnel just can cause all sorts of chaos because they just stick the red lights on at either end and don't let anybody That's through it. and it can be <laughs> twenty minutes, half an hour before they get it cleared and you can mm-hmm. actually start using it again. But if you're already on the dual carriageway approach, you're trapped. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't go anywhere. No. It happened to me once and I was stuck for fifty minutes. <laughs> um and that was a few years ago and that was immensely frustrating. Given your temperament, I can only imagine <laughs> how annoying <laughs> that must have been. Um approach roads. So when the tunnel opened, Stuart, it yeah. was just stubs really at either end that led directly onto the surface streets. That's right. Now, you can still see these as soon as you come out of the tunnel. Immediately, to like say if you're heading northbound, yep. uh, immediately there's a diverge to the left that That's you can right. go off before the diverge that puts you onto the expressway. Yep, so there was the Dumbarton Road connection on the That's, north side yep. and the Govan Road connection on the south side. Yep. Um, you can use the Govan Road connection travelling southbound still and the Dumbarton Road connection travelling northbound. Oh, yeah. The other accesses are still there, but only used in emergencies. Kind of um, or maintenance or Yeah, whatever. for maintenance-related activities and that, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah. The the actual... The, the main south approach road was built in 1967, and the north approach roads were done in 1969. Yeah. So yeah. they were done at different times. I think it's what, what it's saying here, because we have a separate booklet actually on the approach roads that, that says that the, they built the south one first, and there was this immediate need to connect something to the north. Yeah. Because, of course, moving on to the next subject shortly, the Clydeside Expressway was coming. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a way that they thought, right, how do we connect this tunnel uh, to the Clydeside Expressway? Mm-hmm. And if you're okay with me moving on, I can talk about one of one of the most interesting junctions we, we have in Glasgow and one of my favourites, which is the interchange at Whiteinch. Yeah. Which is the one north of the tunnel. Now, most people will probably know this junction from being the one where the slip roads are, are quite short, where you have a shared merge and diverge and the big loop that goes round. But interestingly, this, this interchange had some constraints to it. Yeah. Um, they wanted to, they didn't want to encroach on the park, Victoria Park that was there. Yep. Absolutely. There were certain yep. buildings that they didn't want to encroach onto, and they also wanted the junction to be functional. They didn't want to have a roundabout no. or anything. They didn't want something that was uh, multi-level or stacked that was obtrusive. So they came up with, with what we have today, which is a completely free-flowing interchange that allows traffic to interchange between the Clyde Tunnel, going north past Shagri Avenue, yep. heading west towards Clyde Bank, and also the Clyde Side Expressway. Yep. Now, these were routes that were um, that were detailed in the highway plan. Yes. You know, they're on a highway plan for Glasgow, the north and the south approach roads. Um, there had always been intended to be enhanced connections to the tunnel, mm-hmm. although the tunnel was designed and constructed as its own thing. Yes. Um, I, the same engineers, Halcrows, yeah. uh, were involved in the tunnel that were also involved in the north approach and also yeah. on the expressway as well, I believe. Hal- yeah, Hal- Hal- Crew did, well, yep. What happened was with the expressway, just a bit of a preamble into it, his expressway in- initially was outlined in the highway plan. Yeah. I'm going to say quite basically, um, but Halkrog then developed it, if I'm right in saying, into, into the, the route, more or less the route we have now that ties in 
with the... Uh, That's right, Halcrow had envisaged that the, all these sections... Uh, sorry, the highway plan had envisaged that these sections, the expressway and the north approach, would be at grade. Yes. Meaning no flyovers and the like. Traffic lights. Yeah, but when Halcrow came in and started looking at traffic flows and costs, mm-hmm. they were able to demonstrate that they could provide uh, free flow links uh, at limited additional cost, but for you know maximum traffic benefit. And the corporation, Glasgow Corporation, approved that and went Quite with that, happy. and that, that led to what we have now. Uh, the North Approach, uh, the, the White Inch, um, yep. is a is a is a strange junction in that mm-hmm. it's so compact. But, but again, this is a point I like to make. Mm-hmm. We are often faced with criticism on social media from people who moan about the impact that the, the yep. roads and the motorways and things like that had, and oh, the engineers didn't care and the corporation didn't care. White Inch is a classic example of showing that they did care, yep. because had the engineers just come in and built what they wanted. Half of Victoria Park would just have disappeared. Yeah, under some sprawling cloverleaf or something like that. However, the corporation insisted that the maximum amount of that park be left untouched. And I believe only one small corner Mm -hmm. was affected by the junction. Even then, it was landscaped. It's not actually the road itself. So it it goes to show that there was some kind of, um, you know, conscience behind a cons- it? A consideration, yeah. I-, I would say. I mean, there were some kind of what we would now call, call kind of environmental constraints yeah. at the time, such yeah. as the park, such as the houses, and also the the kind of the profile and the visibility of the junction. Like I yeah. say, it's all on two levels. It's Absolutely. very nice. You know, so, so these things were being considered. Mm-hmm. I think the North Approach works quite well. Um, it makes sense because you needed a quick connection from the tunnel to Bolshagri Avenue. And mm-hmm. as you can see, some of the old photos we have, initially you had to go via Dumbarton Road, then turn right, and then turn right again, then turn left. Yeah. You know, so that was never going to work with the traffic flows that, that were envisaged to be using it, it eventually. It bypassed all this. Yeah. yeah. You know, so the south approach was slightly easier in that there was already a road running along the length of the in front of the, the Southern General Hospital. Mm-hmm. So there was only a small bit of extra construction there. Well, there's a, there's an interesting thing that one of Glasgow's oldest flyovers is there, isn't it? That's because right, Shieldhall Overpass. Shieldhall Overpass, that's the one with the weight restriction. Yeah. Um, that's, that itself is kind of a bit of a feature. And uh, we, we we did, we actually walked underneath that one day. Yeah, that's just that, north of Cardonald for anybody who doesn't know the, the area. Know that's the, the flyover area. that goes over the A8 Mm-hmm. Um, through Govan and and yeah, Dromoyne, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so it heads towards Brayhead. Yes, yeah. that's right. The road, the road between kind of Govan and Brayhead. Yep. that's there. And it, like I say, it's kind of known because it's got that weight restriction on it. That's right. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's been there since about twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I believe the council just can't get the money they need to actually to bring it back up to up to standard, okay. which is a, which is a real shame. But yeah, as you say, it was the first uh, the first flyover uh, to so, open. So that's fun. Do you want, do you want to talk a bit more about the the expressway? North uh, into things. How are we doing timing wise? Yeah, we're all right time wise. Well, let's have another few minutes on on this side of things. The expressway. Yeah. You, you're a huge fan of the yeah. expressway. And one of the things when you first came on and you started getting involved with, with the archive and, and and the website and all that sort of thing, you insisted insisted <laughs> that we create a Clydeside Expressway page. And I was like, Clydeside Expressway. Nobody cares about that. Does anybody like? It? <laughs> He's been <And> honest. It's <laughs> consistently been in the top five most read pages on the website since it went live in 2013. Well, I've just got two things to say. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. yep. No, look, uh, Stuart's right. I'm a huge fan of the route. And it's kind of, uh, because it's not, I've seen it as a bit of a plucky underdog, yep. um, when you look at a map, you see the MA, you see this blue line. But the Clydeside Expressway, no, it's just a red line. I mean, it's not even a primary route no. uh, that we see. And that in itself, but the, the route is so impressive. It does provide a 
alternative to the M8 at the north end of the class. And it's very handy. It takes you to nice places. Yeah, not only that, but it know? bypasses Dumbarton Road. Can you imagine what Dumbarton Road would be like if the Clydeside Expressway wasn't there for anybody coming from Clyde Bank or from the west? I think you'd probably die of diesel fumes. Yeah, exactly. To be honest, now, I... Dumbarton Road off-peak can be quite quiet. Mm-hmm. Even peak, Dumbarton Road... Well, certainly it, the back road between... It's a bus road, yeah. as I've always thought of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it moves reasonably well. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's another one of these ones. I had a discussion with someone recently, and I used the Clyde Expressway as an example mm-hmm. of what Great Western Road and Mary Hill Road could have been like had the Mary Hill Motorway been finished. Yes. Because you see what they're like at peak times. Awful. You know, so you know? it's kind of the same thing. Had, had the, yeah. the Mary Hill Motorway been built, you know, it, it, it serves a purpose. It takes traffic, it takes regional traffic... Mm-hmm away from the local road network. It yeah. leaves buses to, to move freely on, on Dumbarton Road. And, and I'm and sure if you're of. a pedestrian or you live there, or even if you want to cycle, you'd be more than happy with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, no, there isn't really a Clydeside Expressway alternative for that part of the city that you're talking about. Yeah. So it's lucky to be there. It's also prompted huge development as well. You know, the Clydeside Expressway obviously came along. I mean, it opened in, what was it, 1973? 73, 27th of April, 1973. Um, the Just to go back a step, the Clyde mm. Tunnel North Approach was the 9th of April, 1969. Oh, I um, got that right. Yeah, both <laughs> designed by Halcrone Partners. Now, the expressway yep. was constructed by Balfour Beatty. It's mm. two miles long and it cost £3.5 million. Now, in 2017 prices, that's £40 million. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some advance works carried out, um, like the bridge over the Kelvin um, that was constructed in advance of the main works. Um, that was Is that the, the Point Point House Bridge. Point House Bridge. Yeah, that was the one. Mm-hmm. It was built as an advance contract, which was quite common in those days. So there was actually a small section of the road was operational before the expressway was built on either yeah. side. Um, now, tell us about the junctions. You 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 know about the junctions. How many junctions are there? Let's go all the way uh, from east to west. I think so. Mm-hmm. It, um, I mean, it meets the M8 and the uh, on Argyle Street at Anderson Cross. Yeah. Mm, what can I say about this? Is an incredibly busy junction. To be honest with you, the Clydeside Expressway has to end there. To be honest with you. Yeah. And through, and it's also got the train station in there. It is quite impressive how it is all in there, and it's all underneath those approaches to the Kingston Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in there, but um, for an at-grade junction, it it is. It is okay. Maybe somewhat lacking going eastbound, to be honest with you. Remember we had a conversation a few years ago with John Cullen yes. about why um, free flow links to eastbound weren't constructed. And and he said, well, the reason for that was the intention was that eastbound traffic would have used the south flank and east flank of the mm-hmm. inner ring road because that was the intention was that they would be the busy sides and all the traffic would be filtered in that direction. Of course. Um, you know, so they weren't, they were they, they had only envisaged that there would be small amounts of traffic using Anderston Cross to join the ME eastbound. Yeah, which Everything is one of the busiest movements. It now, is, you yeah. Know. You know, so that, that was a pity. Um, had, uh, had, had, big had, they produced, or sorry, constructed connections between the Kingston Bridge and the M74 mm-hmm. as per Strathclyde Region's proposals that may have eased that situation somewhat, but that... Yeah somewhat short-sighted approach there uh, people are still <laughs> making that move anyway yeah um it's the biggest failing of that junction yeah. but it's good you've provided that explanation for yeah. that yeah so anderson cross we will move away we will talk about finiston now finiston was one of the junctions originally in the highway plan that was planned to be at grade yeah um and no i mean it is a quite an impressive flyover that's there now we actually uh, we did we pop, popped a picture of that because our um 10-year challenge yeah <laughs> 
Well, it was a bit more than a 10-year challenge showing what it was like shortly after opening. That was, what it looks yeah, like it was quite a complex junction to construct that because the railway line beneath, although it was closed at that time, they already mm-hmm. had proposals to reopen it. The, the Argyle um, line. Yeah, the Argyle yeah. line at the exhibition um, centre mm-hmm. uh, station. Um, so they had to make an allowance for that line being reopened. So some of the structures around there, if you've ever been under there, you'll see that they, they interact somewhat with the railway yes. line. Um, you know, So it's quite a complex arrangement. I used to like that junction. It used to be a simple diamond. You could come off the expressway, turn right, and be up to Dumbarton Road via Finiston Street in about I know two where minutes. You're, I know where you're going with this. Then, <laughs> Glasgow City Council, in its infinite wisdom, decided to build that gyratory system. That's right. That takes you around past the SEC and that multi-storey car park. And a, a, a manoeuvre that used to take 30 seconds now takes about five minutes. I have, when I used to work in the Sky Park, I would always find that that system was pretty cruel on the oh. uninitiated. Yeah. Um, I was alright because I wasn't using it at peak times. Outside yeah. of peak, it works. Mm-hmm. And if you know what lane you're in, you're fine. You know. Yeah. But I'm not, I can't comment too much about peak time. Yeah, tend to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, we can talk about the next junction. We're going to talk about what was f- what was Ferry it Ferry Road, Road Roundabout? Ferry Road Roundabout. And in between that, just I'm going to chuck in another fact, uh, useful fact here that the Point House Bridge that we discussed earlier, um, it was opened um, in advance 1970-71 time. Um, it was constructed by H M Murray Limited, mm-hmm. uh, to a, a design by the Corporation Roads Department themselves. It was uh, delivered in house. Uh, so that was done in advance. That was the bridge over the River Kelvin that we discussed. Yeah. Um, but Ferry Road Roundabout, which I remember very well. That was like the Sheriff Hall of the expressway, wasn't it? Yeah. Now there's something yeah. interesting. Why was that? Why, why? Why did they leave that? I mean, they looked at everything, and went, "Oh, well, we're going to separate this route, but no, we're going to leave this roundabout." Again, it was for for traffic reasons at that time. There was mm-hmm. there was more access at that time required to the north of that roundabout. I believe there was a dock. There was yeah. access for for fire engines mm-hmm. as well. Um, th- there was there was a few reasons given as to why they retained it. Was it was close to the water as well, yep. but they built it in such a way that it could be easily grade separated in the future. Yeah, which of course in two thousand and eight and Farron's construction came along. Yeah, we got we got that junction we grade separated that, yeah. with a new bridge over the River Kelvin as well, and a couple of new slip roads. Yes, and a new footbridge. Yes, I think they completely remodelled the junction further down, and this was all for that Glasgow Harbour development, which. At the time, was looking positive and <laughs> looking yeah, as if it was going that, to be the, that the new seems thing to have become a little bit stillborn, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a number of proposals there, and I think it's starting to get off the ground again. In fact, just just recently, I saw an article about the new swing bridge to go between the new footbridge, yeah, uh, between Govan and the uh, Riverside Museum. Yes, um, that was just unveiled in the last few days as well, so that, that that's worth checking out. So More yeah, things for the things. city deal. That's yeah. <laughs> so it looks as though things are maybe moving a bit there. Yeah. Um, after that, we had what I call Partick. Yes. But, but you call Hayburn. Hayburn. Hayburn, yeah. because it's in the booklet, isn't it? Um, nobody calls it Hayburn Interchange. No, it's, I don't suppose it, they do. It is Partick Interchange in this day and age, but it was called Hayburn, and this was quite simply another one of these junctions. It was a diamond interchange back in the day, but it has been modified now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it is a kind of a half roundabout kind of system that you've got there. Yeah, I never had any issues with it. No, personally, I, I remember um, it in its original form, and I remember when it was uh, modified, and it seems to work too. Yeah, you know, too badly. I, it's fine for, for considering the junction what it serves. Further yeah. down, we have Sawmill Road. Now, Sawmill Road, a little bit like Finiston, is the junction. It, I mean, it's got quite an impressive structure that goes over the top of it, um, and this is the one where it kind of ties in with with Dumbarton Road. Mm-hmm. The slip roads from this one are quite fierce. Yeah, um, where they where they're joining on to where you, what is white interchange and how you actually get onto the Clyde Tunnel. Yeah, um, that can catch you uninitiated by surprise. Not a junction I tend to use. 
to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, it is a roundabout interchange. You can turn there and, and get off and do things, but not one that I can comment on using too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I'm, I'm just jumping about, I'm thinking about the section between Hayburn, uh, Hayburn Street and, and Sawmill, just okay. reading from the book here, a small fact that says that the uh, the underground railway tunnels are only a few metres below the level of the Glas- roadway. Glasgow subway. Yeah, nice. and yeah. it mm-hmm. says here, and this is interesting, um, that the road surface is only about half a metre above the flood level of the River Clyde, but is adequately covered by the new surface water sewer system, which discharges sewer, uh, sewage and, and the like into the river. So <laughs> Lovely. So, SEPA, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure that's all been changed since 1973. We yeah, we don't tend to do things. I mean, the Clyde's a lot cleaner these days. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to the end yes. of the Clydeside Express, eh? or does it? Well, because there's this funny little bit that goes past the park, but it's not really the expressway, is it? No, it isn't. Uh, it's Victoria Park Drive South, or mm-hmm. am I getting getting my words uh, muddled a little bit there that goes round now? Something like that. We, we, we're going to cover. We actually have some questions posed about this, so we'll, we'll cover them um, about the Clydeside Expressway and what, what's kind of coming for it yeah. later on. Uh, one or two things I'm just going to throw in again with my facts and figures uh, as, as I've been going through the book is that mm-hmm. they, they, they use the standardised design for the three flyovers or the two flyovers, sorry, um, at, at, uh, Anderson, uh, not Anderson, um, Finiston, sorry, and Sawmill. Not so, typical of the time. No. So by keeping them the same, they reduce costs quite considerably. Ooh, um, so it's go. basically the same detail. So if you're underneath one, um, compare it to the other. So there you go. But yeah, talking about future future expansion of the, of the expressway, there is that proposal for a Yoker relief road, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe utilises the line of the old railway. That's right. It's the one that kind of goes along South Street. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been looked at again and again, but occasionally there's been some moans and groans about it. Um, I, I don't know why, because surely anything that eases the it, Barton Road would be a good thing. It makes sense to have the Clydeside Expressway go all the way to Clydebank. Could yeah. you imagine yeah. what that and, would do? And I'm looking right now at the GGTS proposal from 1967, mm-hmm. and we've got a lovely uh, dual carriageway line going from the expressway all the way along the Barton Road, round the back, and then up to Great Western Road as Which, a continuous Mount, dual carriageway link. At Mount Blow. It, at it Mount would Blow? Tie up there. Now, they did actually do some work, and I think it was in the 1980s in the Clydebank section, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. They did. I mean, it's just at grade junctions right enough, but the road is actually of quite a good standard in Clydebank. Yeah, it is. Is. Um, and I think if they if they were to provide the Shulker relief road between that section and the end of the expressway, that would probably make a big difference to the Barton Road De- around it. The Martin Road is actually one of the worst roads in Glasgow for its air pollution levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything to improve that. Yeah. But what in this day and age, realistically, Stuart, what kind of route are we going to get? Are we going to get a single carriageway with oh, a be, shit? You cycle lane? Oh no, oh. Doubt. it'll be sing- it would be single carriage. We given the width of the railway embankment, I'd imagine you'd squeeze in. As little as they possibly could, so it's likely yeah. to be a two-lane road with limited or access. Or it could be four-lane. Could be. You know, depending on what's there, mm-hmm. what can be done. Yeah, it's possible. Nothing, Something for the nothing's future. Nothing's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Have yep. we said all we have to say on, on that? So if Unfortunately, you get any, yes. Yeah, I do like anything, talking about yeah, the expressway. Anything that you, that, that yeah. you hear us talking about and you want any further details on, please let us know. We're always happy to answer any questions. Can mm. we mention one more thing? Of course you and can. And it's close to your heart. Is so it really? It to the end. Okay. What do you think of the signage on the Clydeside Expressway? Oh, wonderful. Those Glasgow-type <laughs> gantries I've seen across the it's network. It's got Glasgow gantries. Yeah, with yeah. white sign faces rather than blue. Why are they white? Um, because it's a non-primary route. That's right. There we go. Um, although some of the Clyde, tun- uh, Clyde Tunnel Clyde Expressway... Tunnel, 739 is, is The Clyde primary. Tunnel Expressway. Now, how many people these days refer to that section as the Clyde Tunnel Expressway? 
Um, not many, but that's what its official title is. Yeah. And there's still some original, original, original style gantries on that yeah. section just after Shield Hall Overpass. And they're worth looking at. They've been plated over a dozen times, right? And often half the lighting doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening, Glasgow City Council, please deal with that. Um, <laughs> we can help, you know, we can help. Um, You've been a gantry engineer. Yeah. Pick these things. We do think of it as the gantry museum. Oh, yes. <laughs> It certainly is that. It certainly is that. But yeah, they're worth looking at. If you've never paid attention yep. to them before, please do because it's worth it. There are some new ones as well around about the uh, the Partick interchange. That's right. They did put new ones in, especially when they done that upgrade in yep. two thousand and eight. Yep. So, so aye, so it's good for that. It's all connected to the same system as the, the motorway system. Mm-hmm. Traffic Scotland oversee the the CCTV and the gantry signage. Yeah. On the Clydeside Expressway and the Clyde Tunnel Expressway under agreement with Glasgow City Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glasgow City Council pay an annual fee to Scottish Government for them to maintain them on their behalf because it was always part of the Citrax system which was Strathclyde Region you know at one point when we when we had it all joined up and everybody knew what they were doing and everybody looked after everything um, it was all nice and sensible now when it's fractured and one entity deals with this and another entity, entity deals with that yeah. you know yeah it can be a bit confusing for especially for members of the public wishing to make a complaint about something not being quite right well, I think that is a good point to move on from there before we go down that ranting rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, to be honest, um, I think this is a time, as I said earlier, we're going to talk about a new regular feature here on yes. the archive, which is the from the archive section. Yeah. I was recently over the, the holiday period going through some of the materials we have, and as you can imagine, some of it's just not suitable for digitization at all. Um, so that means it kind of remains hidden. Mm-hmm. from the vast majority of the people who follow us on social media who only see photographs and things we share on there. So yep. we have a lot of reports and things like that that are very difficult. Because of the way they're bound, it'd be very difficult to scan them. Or, You'd have you know. to cut them up, mostly. Yeah. We don't want to yeah. do that. Yeah, we're, not, we're not going to do that. And, and I thought, well, let's have a new podcast feature from the archive where we'll discuss something that's in the archive um, that you won't see day to day. All right? And for the first first one, for the first month, I thought I would choose this beautiful red-bound hardback book. It's just smaller than A4, and it's the Scottish Planning Mission to the United States, 1961, Mm -hmm. the subject of which is urban renewal and traffic. Right? Okay. So, So is... What's this then? Because I mean, I've I've actually not seen this. To be honest, you you you've had a look at it yourself. Yeah, I've had a quick, I had a good, a good scan through it. Right now, I will I will give you some I'll give you some information here. So here you go. This is this is a um a section that was written by the Lord Provost of Glasgow, Mrs. Jean Roberts, um, and she says in the autumn of 1961, I was asked by the Secretary of State to lead a Scottish mission to the USA to study urban renewal and traffic problems. The members of the mission represented the Scottish office, the New Towns and Glasgow Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt that matters uh, we studied were so germane to our increasing problems and so stimulating in the lessons they presented that a fairly full publication was justified. Okay. So that's why we have this beautiful red book. This I now present to the Secretary of State on behalf of the mission. So this this is her basically passing this report over. Okay. Um, so they visited a number of locations. I'm going to read out where they went. They went to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, New Haven, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. And each one of those cities at that time either had urban freeways or were undertaking comprehensive redevelopment of vast areas or had done already. Um, you know, so they'd cleared out old uh, buildings and completely rebuilt them in new mm-hmm. areas. And, and roads were, were a, a centrepiece of that. Sounds familiar. 
Yes, it does. <laughs> so this is basically what you're saying here, Stuart. Is this is where I mean we have the highway plan, we have the M8 through Glasgow and the urban motorways. But you're saying this is where they got the ideas from. Well, we already had the highway plan in preparation by this point. We already proposals today on a ring road. I suppose what they were looking to do was they were trying to learn because they knew everybody knew that not everything in America had been perfect. I mean, America had congestion at that point. Yeah. They were trying to learn lessons from the American model and see what they could use here in the UK context and what perhaps wouldn't work um, and reading through the report it's quite clear um, that they, they identified a number of things that they didn't feel would be appropriate to Glasgow okay um, you know. so the, the, the point is made that although motor cars are very important mm-hmm. in America and were going to be the same in the UK they felt even at that point that they should be balancing transportation you know between public transport and the car Mm-hmm. You know, so they make the point that they weren't looking to build freeways on the same scale as they have in some of the American cities, yeah, in New York in particular. Um, you know, they knew that yeah, we wanted a nice new motorway system, but it certainly wasn't going to be on the same scale as they yeah. had. Because well, they make the point in the report: not only does the population not justify it, and the car ownership levels don't justify it, they felt that that, that environmentally, yeah, it, it wouldn't do the city any favors. Our cities, in particular, are different from American cities. Yep. Glasgow is an older city. Indeed. Uh, with these things. And, and this is one of the things that the Americans had this bonus where they were they were building out and they had the space to do it and the cities were relatively young. Uh, through here, we just really didn't have that. We were basically trying to retrofit a motorway to an old city. That's right, yeah. That's, that's probably a reasonable way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, it makes they, they do make, they make the point here. This is... This, this was to study United States experience in the redevelopment of urban areas, particularly where major traffic, major traffic works were involved. It was recognised that the problem of handling vehicular traffic was on a much bigger scale there, and that traffic and transportation solutions were necessarily being attempted in advance of anything in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, in the US, for example, at that time, um, at least one car was owned by 70% of the population. In the UK at that time, it was only 33%. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so America was way, way, way beyond. Where but we, we needed to do something because whether or not we built these roads, the cars were coming. Yeah, because it said you know? here that uh, car ownership, uh, particularly in the older industrial areas of Scotland, is rising more rapidly than the UK national average. So there we go. Well, there you go. There's some justification. Yeah. The impact of this fast accelerating problem in central areas, which also require comprehensive redevelopment for other reasons, was in essence a justification for studying what was happening in a country with similar but much bigger problems, both in population and traffic growth. Yeah. And and the report it continues in that way. I mean, there's a section on each, um, on each problem, um, throughout it, and it breaks it down. And I I actually think one day we we may do a page on this or an article on this, just to give you some detail. But looking at the contents, I mean, the main sections are part one, urban renewal, mm-hmm. two, traffic and transportation. Uh, then you have the city. So you've got Philadelphia, New Haven. Um, and New York, Washington, D.C. and the like. And it breaks down all the problems and comparisons. I mean, it compares our inner ring road proposals with theirs. Um, and it's it's done in a very interesting way. There's a lot of really good illustrations, more so um, some really old, you know, some old photographs from the 60s in, in America as well. Mm-hmm. And you see some of their urban freeways at the time and you can see why they were, uh, you know, taken... You know, Which taken were more advanced than ours at this stage. I think, you know, something, there's, there's a couple of things I'm going to take from this. Yeah. One... This is demonstrating that a lot of consideration yeah. has gone into the building 
of the motorways in Glasgow because of these these trips and the you know the yeah. forming of this report. And this report actually, and this is another argument we come up against time and time again because it's the, the M8 cutting through the Charing Cross and and, yeah. and and how it was done and oh it was just cut through there and there was no consideration. Yeah, there was a lot of consideration. Lot. In fact, the Penn Centre in Philadelphia, which was a an or an office complex and, and residential complex that was built over a railway line, a major railway line and a major road. Mm-hmm. And it actually states in the report that that directly influenced the view that they would have of how the ring road would pass through Glasgow. You know, they mm-hmm. were looking to make it as sympathetic to the surroundings as possible yeah. and cover it where they could and depress it where they could so that it wasn't mm-hmm. visible. You know, so the Penn Centre Philadelphia, look it up, it's still there. Um, and that covers the covers the road, the railway. Yeah, exactly. exactly. A bit like what we've got now at Charing Cross. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. So yeah, it's it is a fascinating report. Um, there's there's a lot to see. There's a bit in it as well about Chicago, the Marina City development, which I believe is still there. Um, I'm just flicking through. So, if you, I mean, if you're into if you're into roads, if you're into motorways, yeah. and these kind of things, America is a great place to look. And it's so funny to look at it and see some of the similarities with Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah, particularly like Los Angeles uh, and these kind of things where you, you you know you look at their kind of freeway system, obviously far more extensive than what we have yeah here. and the interesting thing is because most of the guys involved in the design of the highway plan had american experience a lot of what these these uh these pl- uh, these people were seeing in america was already being uh, fed in to the designs for like the cumbernauld road system um mm-hmm. and 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 the, the glasgow system you know, free flow is king yeah yeah exactly keep it moving yeah you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it, there is a clear American influence in the Glasgow network, as we've spoken about many times before. Yeah, you know, and, and it's clear, it's clear why when you read these, you know. One thing I'm going to post you yeah. after reading that report, you know, would I mean from the tone of it, you said from the start that it is beginning to notice some things that could be detrimental. Yes, that is. would that report there ever be useful ammo to people who might be critical? Of the Glasgow motorways system? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, someone who hates urban motorways is going to hate urban motorways regardless of where, how they're built. Where it's they just go. a kind of an ideological thing. Yeah, they they don't is. care about the they rational just, argument. Yeah, they, just, they, they just no think, cars. No cars, yeah. and that's the end of it. But yeah. the, the report illustrates that they, they, they were looking to avoid the American idea of just plowing it through wherever. Uh, which, okay, I know there's examples in Glasgow where tenements have been demolished and, and yep. the middle and left at either end and there's road going through. Yeah, they have. Mm-hmm. But they were trying to be sympathetic where they could be in an economical way, you know, in a way that wasn't going to cause significant amounts of additional mm-hmm. money, for example. You know, and that was that was one of the reasons for them putting a, 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 a consulting architect so on the project as well, you know. Offords. Yeah. yeah, to ensure that, that what was being built was, uh, was suitable. suitable. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's really good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go look. I'm looking at you over there, with, kind of flipping through it with some envy. I'm gonna have to look at it myself. I think. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely worth a look. And as I say, we probably will try and and try and get a, a page or something done at some point. And if anybody wants to see it or, or have a look at it, you know, let us know. I'm sure we could try and facilitate that in some way. Um, the one thing, the one um, final comment I'll make about the report was there's an interesting um, paragraph by the the provost, um, where she makes reference to the fact that. Following her visit, um, she is clear um, that they couldn't just focus on the motor car. Um, and I'm just trying to see if I can find that comment very quickly. It says, it says here, um, blah, blah, blah. It was brought home to us by both our own study on the ground and thorough discussions with many officials in the States that there must be some kind of limit to the free movement of the motor car. So anybody who criticises the Glasgow motorway system and, and thinks that it was just hell-bent and building those everywhere... 
bear that in mind. These were the decision makers. They were aware that the car could mm-hmm. not just be allowed free reign. Pedestrian movements, public transportation, they were all considered equal alongside yep. the new roads. And you know what? They done that in a way with the Glasgow Trans- Greater Glasgow Transportation Study. Looked at everything. It looked at buses. It looked at trains. Exactly. And looked at roads. Absolutely. You know? You're right, John. You're right. Well, the roads have done their part. It's time for the public transport to catch up. Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. So, should we move on? Yes, I we think do we have should. some questions. Um, so we'll, we'll go through these. So, uh, first question here. I mean, it's about the Kingston Bridge. Um, and we we got this one through email. We've had this a few times. Yeah. This um, has so come recently, we we're just going to answer this. So um, we'll get this one done. So, um, Stuart, what is the purpose of the Kingston Bridge barriers? Right, so this is the barriers on the northbound side of the bridge that prevents traffic coming on from West Street from joining the main carriageway and traffic from the main carriageway leaving for the Clydeside Expressway. Yeah. It is there to prevent traffic weaving. Mm-hmm. It was installed around 1994 as part of the, the works to strengthen the bridge as part of the traffic management for that. And it was found that it had a significant positive effect on traffic flow. Um, prior to that, congestion was quite bad. Now, this, this is congestion at an early 90s level. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine... If that movement was allowed now, and those barriers went there. Think of the traffic coming on from the M74. Yeah. Can you imagine the weaving that would be if that traffic was now trying to move over and join the M8 main yeah. line, as well as traffic trying to weave the M8 main line to use the Clydeside Expressway westbound? It mm-hmm. would be utter carnage. Yeah. I um I think we have covered this before, yep. Stuart, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think I have, and I know we, we spoke about some other traffic management arrangements around the Kingston Bridge that had a very positive effect, but sadly were only temporary. Yeah. But the barrier's not going anywhere, is it? I mean, no. we, we've also been asked, no. is it, is it going to go? No, it's not. It's going nowhere. It's going it's nowhere. Going it's, here to it's here there to is, stay. There is a myth. Uh, about this, that apparently that barrier was put there because the, the, there was issues, particularly with um, you know traffic using the kind of outer edges of the bridge. But that that no. is found to be completely unfounded. Yes, you know it's nothing to do with the weight restriction. No, 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 nope. no, no, no. And someone commented recently on the page. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Twitter. How they <laughs> had course. heard that the bridge only had a few years left in it. Rubbish. They've just spent <laughs> they've spent thirty forty million refurbishing it over the last twenty five years. Yeah, you know it's got at least another seventy years of life in it. Yeah, at least it's fifty. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work's been done. Yeah. Speaking as somebody you know who's been lucky enough to get up and close and personal, yeah, you've been bridge, inside the Kingston inside Bridge. It, you know, you can see you know that it is actually well looked after. Pristine. And there's been a, a comprehensive yeah. package of works to keep it. For up. anybody who doesn't realise it, you know, the inside of it, it's like a gym hall. It's huge. <laughs> it's absolutely huge. It's, it's hollow. How many people didn't realise it was hollow? Let yeah. us know. It is completely. Yeah, yeah. So that deals reasons. with that one. Okay, what's next? Right. Where was that spur on the M8 between Junction 16 and Junction 17 westbound meant to go? Oh, God, this one comes up about once a month is on this... social media. So this is westbound M8. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. We put we put photos up of this we the do. other day. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be the Mary Hill Motorway. Mm-hmm. Simple. End of story. Mary Hill Motorway. If you want to know more about the Mary Hill Motorway and what it was and where it was going to go, website. Mm-hmm. Unbuilt. Mary Hill and Woman Motorways. Clicking that page give you all the information you need. Um, it was supposed to be built or, sometime after 1975. It was cancelled as a result of public opposition, particularly from Mary Hill, mm-hmm. um, the Mary Hill area, where car ownership was very low at that time and they wanted the money spent on other things and the corporation um, 
uh, he yeah. did that. Uh, it's best checking out the page on yeah. this. I mean, it's really interesting because it's one of these unbuilt sections, but, you know, it is worth checking out. Yes. Basically, another motorway and another junction was meant to be put in there. Exactly. And it's most evident if you look westbound. Yep. Right, next question we've got now. This is from Neil Collinson on Facebook. Neil asks, what concessions were given to the railway when the expressway was built? Looks like part of a lot of realigning was carried out. Um, Neil, I'd love to be able to answer this question for you, but the simple answer is I don't know. I'm not sure if the railway really was modified for the uh, for the expressway because it sets up on an what, embankment. What at that railway location. are we talking about? Are we talking about North Clyde it Line? It must be the North Clyde Line. Yeah. Any railway that was here prior would have been goods and was probably closed by the time the expressway came along anyway. Right. Well, tell you what, we've got a little map in here, and I actually. I don't, th- I don't really think... Was the railway affected at all? I don't know, John. I, it's Possibly. Um, but then was but it no. passenger services or, you know... Well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, if we're going to talk about the Argyle Line, the Argyle Line reopened in 1980. Yeah. Uh, Expressway was, of course, as you mentioned this earlier, was what they, they always knew that railway line was going to reopen, so they had to make sure yeah. that it was still in a condition that that yeah. could be I done. Mean, and, on this map, in the original map here in the booklet, the, the railway's still operational and the expressway's just shown skirting in between the two. And that's yeah. that goods line that ran via South Street, you know, the one that they're talking about oh, building the Yoker yeah. Relief Road on now. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that, yeah, I don't think the railway was greatly affected, but I don't know. If there's any railway enthusiasts out there who know better, please mm-hmm. let us know. You know, answer answer Neil's question. I, I'm sure, yeah, Neil, Neil's got a good reason to answer this. It's just we need, we need to probably look into it more, but we'll need a, a rail geek yeah. for oh, this, yeah. definitely. A proper rail geek. Um, we do have one more question. Okay. And it's Clydeside Expressway. And we got this one through oh. Twitter, yeah, uh, from Chrissy B. All right. Okay. Uh, Chris asks, why is the Clydeside Expressway not a drunk road? Because it's got, you mentioned the gantries, you mentioned mm-hmm. Traffic Scotland controller. Why Why isn't it a drunk road? I mean, it's really Be- important. Because when it was constructed, it was only of local and regional importance. Local. It I'd was built say, by yeah. the corporation. It was funded in part by the Scottish Development Department, Scottish office at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the, the roads uh, maintenance uh, system was changed in 1996, when the regions went away and mm-hmm. they did their trunk road review, mm-hmm. um, it was not included. The Clyde Tunnel on the expressway was not included in that because at that time it was felt that it was mostly serving local and regional traffic. Trunk roads are always supposed to serve national interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the reason for that. Now, I know there's been some calls for it to be trunked. Yeah. Uh, given the maintenance issues faced by the Clyde Tunnel and the expressway, and there, there could I be some justification the there for that. Council are keen to offload it. Yeah, um, if, yeah. They, if they could do because it is maintenance. There's a lot of structures on that. Yeah, including yeah. The tunnel. I, I think it might might go that way eventually. It's possible. Yeah, it might well. Um, I, I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing because when you see some of the poor maintenance on it, I mean, come July, the weeds are often two feet high, and <laughs> some of the structures at the end at the at the that's the, landscaping. That's yeah, feature. you know, see so you've got things like that, yeah. and the lighting's poor, and they've you know they did yeah. about half an upgrade back in the early two thousands on the expressway, but the eastbound carriageway has never been done. If you look, you still see the old railings. And things like that run about yeah. uh, Finiston Street, so you know it needs a bit of love, needs yeah. a few schemes on it. Yeah, you know? it needs money, and that might only come from central government. I mean, this is a thing. Just so anybody who doesn't know the difference between trunk road and non-trunk road, trunk road is essentially something that is maintained by central government, by Transport Scotland. Yes, uh, and anything else is done by the local authority. That's right. Yeah. So Absolutely. before before, as you say, the trunk road system changed in the late nineties. It was all done by regional council. Correct. And so. then done by the councils for the first five years after that, and then it was privatised. And, it, you know, at least it was consistent back then. It was you indeed. Know. It was all owned and maintained by the one authority. Yeah. 
At least the grass got cut, eh? So. The grass got cut, the lights got fixed. Indeed. Indeed. All Indeed. Right. Look, we don't have any more questions unless you can think anything else so that's coming on the message box while we've been doing no, this. No, not at all. So we'll save that. Any more questions, save that for next month. There'll be another one coming. Um, I think at that point, that's probably a good point for us to wrap up. We're rapidly approaching the hour mark again, which is... Done uh, it again. We're only meant to be 45. What's this thing about the blog page? Uh, oh, this. Can you mention this? Yes, we can. We are launching a blog page on the website. One of the things that we, John and I and, and, and Wojciech and our colleague have discussed on a number of occasions is how, ways in which we can interact with our audience. And we do that through social media, but that's mostly photographic. A blog page will give us the opportunity to discuss subjects of our choice where we may be able to make one or two points or opinions known or whatever in that. It's basically like the podcast, but written down. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. but not 50 minutes yeah. long. And we have a new page coming up on the website yeah. which has it integrates the podcasts and this new blog page and it should be going live sometime very soon um, because it's all it's all prepared and you will like it when you see it I'm sure Good. but there'll be more than that soon um, next time you join us uh, we're actually going to have another guest on the podcast we are um, so all going well we're going to have somebody who is a traffic engineer <gasps> yes uh, road safety engineer main thing's going to be signage so it's going to be all about the gantries a signage I, expert I cannot wait yeah, it's going to be a good one. We're not going to tell you too much now. We'll give, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, reveal more later no. the time. I know. I'm just excited. Yes. Stuart, is there anything else from you? No, I think you've had more than enough from me this month. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, we'll wrap it up there, and I uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank yeah. you. Thank you again, guys, and we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Bye.